I'm Shanna Hutchison, dietitian, blogger, and mama, born and raised in the heart of the Midwest. I believe that wellness goes way beyond what we eat and that our body size does not determine our worth. I'm passionate about showing other women how to live a life they truly love, one that feels purposeful, that helps them feel their best physically, mentally, and emotionally, and that being a mom can be one of the best things you ever do without it becoming your entire identity. This is a place you can come to hear vulnerable and interesting conversations about health and wellness, motherhood, entrepreneurship, and more. If you want to find freedom with food, learn how to improve your overall well-being, and stop waiting for a number on the scale to start living your best life and go after your goals, then you're in the right place. I'm so excited to learn and grow together. This is the Wellness for the Win podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am excited to dive into this conversation per usual. (laughs) I know I always say that, but I am today I'm sitting down with a follower actually named Danny Riley. She reached out to me in my DMs about coming on to share her story, which I so appreciated and loved the fact that she was brave enough to do that. I feel like if there's anyone out there who's ever interested in coming on and sharing their story or feel like they have a story to tell, always feel free to DM me or email me. I love to hear from you guys. And um, I think it's just helpful to share other people's perspectives. So for today specifically, she wanted to share her perspective as a plus-sized woman who has recovered from binge eating disorder and is actively working on her relationship with food and intuitive eating. And she will get into this in the episode, but she's, you know, kind of in that in-between space where she's made a ton of progress, but she has a ways to go as we all do. I think it's this never-ending journey that we're constantly working toward, you know, self-love and body kindness and all of this stuff because we live in a culture that makes it really hard (laughs) to consistently have a good relationship with food in our bodies. So I was immediately interested when she reached out because I think sometimes people look at me and think, yeah, well, you're a dietitian or yeah, you live in a thin body, so you don't understand what it's like. And I've said this before and I'll say it again and again, and I believe I said it in the episode as well that I want to acknowledge and recognize that yes, I do have thin privilege. I live in a thin body and I do not understand or know what it's like to live in this world in a larger body because of course our society very much still glorifies thinness and celebrates weight loss no matter what it takes. And I know that weight stigma is very real. So I, you know, think it's very important to acknowledge all of that. But, you know, my mission as both a dietitian and someone with a platform on social media, and of course here on my podcast, I want to help people realize that health goes way beyond the scale. You know, I mentioned that even in my podcast intro because I'm so passionate about that. I believe that health is about your physical health, such as your diet and how you move your body and your sleep and your water intake and more. But it's also your mental health and your emotional health and how you, you know, you manage your stress and how you connect with others and have a social life and so much more. So, you know, how we look or our pant size or our stupid BMI does not determine our health or our worth. So I'm really excited to dive into this conversation with Danny today and give her a chance to tell us a little bit more about her journey over the years and where she is now. So let's go ahead and jump in and introduce you to Danny. Of course. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, So my name is Danny Riley. I live in the Kansas City metro area. I'm over in Olathe. Uh, I'm married. I have three dogs and I actually work from home. So I did the whole teacher transition thing this last year. So I was in the classroom for the first couple of years for my working life. And now I am working from home. And this last year has honestly been like the biggest transitional year of my life, mentally, mm-hmm. physically, everything. Yeah. Um, I think that shift was kind of just a jump for me to really work on my mental health. 
Yeah. You know, any sort, if anybody's ever been through any sort of transition with work or anything, it feels major. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of a mind shift in any direction. So I wanted to reach out to you specifically just because I have seen your journey with intuitive eating and talking about your passive binge eating and things. And this has been near and dear to my heart for over a decade now. Um, I've struggled with my weight since I was probably 15, 14 years old. And I have memories as as long as I can remember. And just within the last, you know, probably decade, I have been through every diet you can probably think of. Mm -hmm. I have been every level on the scale you can probably think of. And that ultimately has led me to where I'm at today, which is in a bigger body size, but accepting who I am and accepting the space that I'm in and really working on this term of body neutrality, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of a new term. I've, I've noticed you've mentioned it a couple of times too. Yeah. This new body neutrality, which is kind of different than body positivity. Yeah. It's more of just like acceptance of mm-hmm. this is who I am. Yep. I am in this space and this body. I'm not going to hate myself in this moment. I'm not going to be down on myself in this moment. I'm going to love myself. I may not be the most positive and outgoing as far as, you know, being super positive about my body, but that's kind of the space I'm in now. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I so appreciate you reaching out and sharing your perspective on these things because I do think, you know, and I hear sometimes messages from people who are like, yeah, I love your message and I love what you stand for, but you don't understand or you, you know, you've never been in my shoes and that kind of thing. And I, I completely acknowledge that, you know, I am in a thin body and I, I truly, you know, if I'm being completely honest, I never have had struggles with my weight. And so I, I can't relate to what it's like to be in a larger body in our society that focuses so much on that. And so I completely understand how that is really difficult because again, you know, relationship with food and body is something that so many people struggle with, of course, in all body sizes and shapes and things like that. But it is, you know, it's just different for different people for a variety of different reasons. And so, and I love that you mentioned body neutrality because yes, it is such a different space to be in. Cause I think a lot of people do think the goal is to get to body positivity. And yes, ultimately we would love to be in a place where we do feel great about our bodies and love our bodies. But realistically, no one loves their body every single day. Even even people who are, you know, quote unquote, in the perfect body, right? We we just right, have exactly. to get to a place where we respect our bodies regardless of what they look like and what the scale says. And like you said, getting to a place of feeling neutral about it. And honestly, body neutrality is really like getting to the place where thoughts of your body don't consume your life. <laughs> you know, you're not yes. thinking about your body 24-7 and thinking about your pant size or the next meal you're going to eat or whether or not you you feel like you're allowed to eat, that kind of stuff. So that's a really great space to be in. And achieving that is a huge win, I think. Um, so I'm so excited to dive into this because I think it's just such a such a valuable conversation that so many people can benefit from. Um, so like you mentioned, over the past decade or so, you've gone through a lot of different diets. You know, there's tons of fad diets and programs and different things out there. So, you know, through your experience with doing a variety of those, is there anything specific, you know, looking back now that you feel like you learned from those things? And do you ever, you know, in the body that you're in now, do you ever feel tempted to try them again? And if so, you know, what kind of drives that? So, yeah, like you said, I've done every diet in the book and I have 
really learned that a lot of these diets are temporary. A lot mm-hmm. of them are something that, you know, it's the 21 day, the 30 day, the 75 yeah. day, the things like that. Um, and a lot of times people will expect you to carry on or do it, but the programs don't line up that way. And right. for me, I am obese by medical terms. And if you look at obesity as being a disease, just like any other disease, you know that when you have obesity, you're going to struggle with that your entire life, right? Mm -hmm. And so anytime you are put on a diet, the word diet in a whole means temporary. Mm -hmm. And so if it's like, if there's anybody else that has any sort of disease and you go to the doctor and you get treated for that disease, your doctor might put you on medication or something to help and it's not going to be temporary. And so if you go on that medication and it starts working, you're not going to go off that medication, right? Mm -hmm. And so something that is quick, like a diet for treatment for somebody who's obese, that's going to be difficult to stop. But a lot of these aren't realistic to be long-term. Right. And, you know, there's the cutting out food groups. There's the, you know, I miss, I genuinely like to eat food. I genuinely like to go out to restaurants. I like to right. explore recipes. Yeah. And when you're cutting out food groups and you're drinking shakes all every meal, mm-hmm. you don't miss food. You miss yeah. the good tasting food. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to argue that you know, pizza is not delicious or, you know, everybody loves (laughs) French fries, you know? And so it's like when you go on these diets, you're looking at something temporary that's not sustainable, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Totally. Did I ever feel tempted to try them again? Of course. I mean, I still do. I still have these moments where I have to stop myself in my track and say, Danny, you remember what you stand for and remember what you've learned Mm -hmm. because you get positive praise and attention when you start losing weight, especially when you've started in a bigger space, mm-hmm. being smaller in society and in this world would be easier. Yeah. I, you know, told you that I'm very transparent about using the word fat mm-hmm. and we are not in the world that is fat inclusive. We are not right. in a world where seats and chairs and airplanes and stadiums and elevators are made for fat people. Mm-hmm. And so jumping into a diet again, of course, would be, you know, something that would be temporary fix, but then I would lead myself back to a bigger space again, right? Because it's not sustainable. Yeah, totally. And I appreciate you kind of walking us through that because yeah, it's like you said, 21 day, 30 day, 75 day. I mean, it's even like in the title of a lot of these programs and diets. And it's like, it's just setting us up for that short-term mentality where, you know, as a dietitian, I talk to so many people who have like specific events that they're working toward. They're like, oh, I have this beach vacation in three months. So I want to lose X amount of pounds by this date or, you know, uh, my child is getting married. And so I want to do this for this. And it's like, well, what if we look at the full picture of like long term, like how are we caring for our body long term just to like feel good and have good health? And, you know, our BMI doesn't necessarily tell us it doesn't tell us the full picture of our health whatsoever. You know, it's it's missing so many important pieces. And so, you know, really thinking about, so like when you shift away from those diets, you know, what does that look like for you in terms of how you do decide to fuel your body? And, you know, have you found that you've achieved a better balance being off of, you know, quote unquote diets? And, you know, how does that feel physically and mentally? I mean, and I think that, <laughs> like us as a society, we are very much in this temporary or this 
immediate gratification, you know, Uh this temporary thing is something that people want because they don't want to have to say, Hey, I have to go on a diet for the rest of my life because Mm -hmm. diet is such a toxic word to begin with. Right. And I think that for me, I had such a poor relationship with food, um, and a poor body image, um, when I was going on these diets, because I would lose weight Mm -hmm. in this 21 days or whatever it was. And I would feel so good about myself. And then as soon as I was done with that, I would go back to normal, if not extend that Mm -hmm. to eat even more than I was before, because I missed it during that 21 days or that 30 days or whatever. And so then I was in this constant cycle of losing weight, gaining weight, and then gaining more weight than I was before. Mm -hmm. And it almost triggered me to where a diet just immediately, it would lead to weight loss, but then ultimately it would lead to weight gain. And so I had to kind of come to terms with that. Mm -hmm. Every time I was going on a diet, the immediate gratification just wasn't always going to be there. Yeah, exactly. And that's so common, that cycle of, I mean, I don't know like the statistics on this off the top of my head, but you know, there's a statement that says that dieting is like one of the biggest predictors of weight gain, which is seems like the very opposite. You know, it's the opposite of what people are obviously striving for when they're going on a diet. But unfortunately, like just like exactly like you said, that is often the result is yes, that weight loss does happen initially, but it comes back and then some afterward because it's not sustainable you know, you have that restrict then binge cycle and it just can be this, this vicious never ending cycle that is really hard to, to get out of. And like you mentioned too, it's so hard to stop that cycle as well when you're getting that praise, when your weight is going down. And so, you know, how did that affect you? Do you feel like that kept you in the cycle all the time when you were getting comments from people saying, you know, giving you praise about weight loss or, you know, how did that kind of impact your journey too? I mean, it feels good. It feels so good when somebody comes up to you and they recognize the hard work that you're putting in Mm -hmm. because it's really difficult. It's a mental and physical mind game when you're on a diet. And when somebody walks up to you and says, oh my gosh, you look so good. No, everybody would, you know, love that. I love to hear that whether they want to admit it or not. Right. And for me, it was validation, Mm -hmm. but it also was, it made me feel like people liked me more. And Mm -hmm. I feel like people have this internalized fat phobia that they don't realize they have too. A hundred percent. Yeah. That when I've been in a smaller body, I've gotten more respect. Mm. When I was in a, when I was dating before I met my husband, I was not respected out at bars or, you know, when I was on dating apps, I had to preface with people, Hey, I, I'm in a bigger body and I need you to know that before we meet in person. Mm. Um, But when you lost weight, or even when I was in relationships and lost weight, they would notice and things would be better. And Mm. it wasn't, it was hard. It was hard to come to the terms of feeling like people liked me more, feeling like people appreciated me more, feeling like people saw me more. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can, I can give you an example of a friend of mine who we had a conversation about this not too long ago. And she got a new dog and she started taking this dog on a bunch of walks because it was a very active dog. Mm -hmm. She changed nothing else in her life. She just loved going on walks with her dog. And people started commenting on her losing weight because she was losing weight in the process. Mm -hmm. And I 
did the mistake myself and I complimented her one day. And I mm-hmm. said, hey, you look great. I can tell you've lost a lot of weight. And she kind of sighed and she got her voice got heavy and she said, I was never a self-conscious person until I started losing weight. Mm-hmm. And I said, why? I said, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. And she goes, no, it's fine. But she said, I didn't realize there was something wrong with me before. Yeah, before exactly. I didn't get phrased like this. Before mm-hmm. people didn't comment on my weight. But yep. Then I started losing weight and all of a sudden people are talking to me about it. Yep. And now I'm like, what was wrong with me before? Mm-hmm. And I don't think people realize that. Yeah, exactly. People don't understand the impact of those words. And like you said, it's typically it's well-meaning. People want to acknowledge, you know, your hard work, but on the same token, a lot of times they may be fueling disordered behaviors or disordered thoughts or like exactly like your friend, you know, giving people this fear of, oh my gosh, if I gain weight, like what's going to happen? So that's why it's just so harmful to comment on people's bodies constantly, which is exactly what our society does. You know, it's just become so normalized to do that. And I think we've all been there. You know, we've all made a comment and then maybe I mean, at least I, at this time, I would like second guess it and be like, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have said something. But, you know, we've all been there or had those thoughts. And, and like you said, it's, it's definitely that internalized fat phobia that, that so many people have that we don't realize. And, you know, weight stigma is a real thing. And so I appreciate you just kind of shedding light on all those things and also kind of mentioning the dating journey in a larger body as well and what that was like for you. I appreciate you kind of talking about that piece. So what was that like, you know, maybe some of the relationships that you had as opposed to when you met your husband, you know, what was the the difference in kind of those interactions or did you have to kind of go through a lot of people before, before you found someone that you felt totally comfortable with? Yeah. So I was actually in a long-term relationship starting in high school all the way through college and I gained weight through that entire relationship and it mm-hmm. took a toll on the both of us. Because not only was my weight in a much smaller body when we met, but then my weight got bigger and I got bigger and things just started to change, especially in me mentally. I was just Mm -hmm. so self-conscious of my body and I didn't know how to work in my own body. I didn't know, you know, how to react with the world. Um, And so I felt like that relationship suffered because of that. Yeah, And then when I went into a dating space, it was really easy to hide behind an app. It was really easy to go onto Bumble or Tinder or whatever it was and swipe and only post pictures of my face and only have these angles. And then having really good conversations. And I had probably two or three dates where the guy stood up and walked out. Wow. Because, yeah, because they said, you know, we would have the best conversations We would, you know, connect on so many different levels, but it was my body that they didn't like, or it wasn't their type or something like that. You know, it was always an excuse or I was just ghosted. And, you know, you knew deep down what the reason was because there's a lot of conversation around body issues with people. And that was difficult, but yeah, you know, I had a conversation with one of my sisters while I was dating and she said, you need to shift your focus on who you're dating because you need to shift your focus on somebody who will love you no matter what, you know, yeah, and you exactly. need to have those conversations early on. Mm-hmm. And my husband is a bigger guy as well. And he has dealt with his weight issues his entire life. And when we met, we connected on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but he is somebody who's so confident in his yeah. body 
Mm-hmm. You know, he just will dance around. He thinks he's so funny, you know, <laughs> and yeah. I, he has given me the confidence because I will wake up and I will look in the mirror and I'm like, woof. And he's like, you look beautiful. You know, Aww, we have these yeah. conversations and he has given me the confidence. And I feel like having a good support system with friends and relationships mm-hmm. when yep. you're going through this journey is so important. It's a brand new year and Every Plate is here to help you achieve all of your resolutions. Every Plate helps you save money with delicious, affordable recipes delivered straight to your door. As a dietitian, I'm always encouraging clients to spend more time in the kitchen, and Every Plate can help you do just that. Expand your cooking skills with easy to follow recipes that you can whip up in just six simple steps with Every Plate this year. Saving money is still top of mind right now, and America's Best Value Meal Kit helps you do just that all year round. Did you know that Every Plate is 25% cheaper than grocery shopping? This means you can put the money you save on groceries toward any other fun goals that you may have for the new year. Another thing I love about every plate is that you have the option to swap proteins and sides or add a protein to veggie dishes. You can make it your own and satisfy the whole family. My family always loves the recipes we try from every plate, and we can't wait to see what they have to offer in 2023. If you're ready to give it a try too, you can get started for just $139 per meal by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering code wellnessforthewin139. That's just $139 per meal by visiting everyplate.com slash podcast and entering code wellnessforthewin139. That's up to a $134 value. Check out the show notes for a link to check it out. Now back to the show. I love that. Yeah, I I feel the same way about like in my journey with my relationship with food. I feel like being with Ethan helped me so much because he had such a normal relationship with food that it like really reflected onto me and helped me work toward that as well. So it it makes such a huge difference to have a partner who does help to kind of build that confidence or, you know, give you the, you know, the desire or the ability to to work toward those goals right. and, you know, better mental space. So that's, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. You know, and kind of going back to you as well, what did it feel like when you achieved the lowest weight that you've ever been? Cause I think, you know, so many people have this like dream magic number in their mind that they think everything will be better when they reach X weight on the scale. And so, you know, when you did get to a place that maybe was the lowest weight that you've been, how did that feel for you physically, mentally, emotionally, all of those things? Like, was it everything that you imagined it would be? Why or why not? No, (laughs) is the short answer. But I think that people think that when they lose weight, that all their problems are going to be fixed. And they're not, especially if you deal with body issues. Mm -hmm. For me, when I was losing weight, it was never enough. I would get to my lowest point and I would think I have to do more. I have to do more. And my mindset was just so cloudy. That was all I was thinking about. I could not stop thinking about losing weight. I could not stop thinking about my body image. And when I got down to that lowest point, I was getting the most praise and attention from people, but I feel like I felt my worst. Mm. And I think that's what people don't realize is because now I'm in this space where I think, okay, there's one of two ways this is going to work is I'm going to maintain this weight, which is going to be really hard, Mm -hmm. or I'm going to gain it all back. And so I put even more pressure on myself when I got to that point. Yeah. And I've seen this on social media. I've seen people talk about this where they've lost all this weight and they're like, well, what do I do now? Or the people who have come from even larger bodies who have loose skin and things like that they deal with afterwards. Mm -hmm. I just feel like if you want to lose weight, 
that's fine. I just think you have to have intentions going into it, knowing that it's not a cure-all. Right. It's not the thing that's going to solve all your problems or solve all your issues. Yeah. Um, I genuinely right now am probably one of the heaviest weights I've ever been. And I am a hundred times happier now than I was at a smaller weight, at my lowest weight even. Yeah. And that gave me chills. And I appreciate you sharing that. And again, I know I follow, I don't know if you follow the birds, papaya, Sarah, yes, I love um, her. but she, she's amazing. I love her too. But I, I remember her saying the exact same thing that at her lowest weight, she felt her worst and like her least happy. And, and I think again, so much of it goes back to that fear of, oh my gosh, what if I gain this weight back? And what's that going to look like? What will people think of me and all of these things? And, you know, with that said, it's very possible to lose weight in a healthy way. You know, we're not saying that that's not achievable, but really like checking in with, okay, what is the method that I'm using to lose weight? Is it supporting me physically or mentally along the way? And again, is it sustainable long-term? And knowing that, you know, your body's comfortable weight may not be exactly what you want it to be as far as like your, you know, set point weight kind of thing. And, and that's hard, you know, it's hard to accept that maybe your body isn't supposed to be a certain weight, but figuring out, okay, what's a a weight that feels sustainable for me long-term where I can have a healthy diet with balance and flexibility and move my body, but also rest, you know, and just have a balanced Mm -hmm. life overall, you know? So I, I appreciate you kind of sharing that. Any other thoughts on, on that specifically? You know, I think that with numbers for me, it was always just kind of like I pulled a number randomly out. Like it was always BS, this number that I pulled out. Right. Like I want to be 150 pounds by X and X date, you know, or whatever. And it was based on literally nothing. Mm -hmm. You said earlier with BMI, BMI measures nothing either. I'm short. And so I would have to be really small. And I also have to accept the fact that I am bigger boned. Mm-hmm. I have always had broad shoulders. I have always had a larger chest, things like this. Yeah. And, you know, and so it was one of those things where somebody would say a number and I'd be like, oh, that number sounds good. Yeah. Or that pant size sounds good or whatever. Right. But nobody else knows. Nobody else knows. Exactly. What nobody else exactly. knows what size you wear. Right. And, you know, I think that some people are more surprised by numbers than anything. Mm-hmm. You know, you will see somebody and you will think, oh, that's my ideal body type. I bet they're, you know, 145 pounds. I want to look like them. And then they come out and they're like, I'm 220 pounds and people are shocked. Yeah. You know? right. And I think it's all about how you feel internally, but mm-hmm. also like how you feel externally as well. Just are you okay to move around? Are you okay in your space? Right. The number doesn't necessarily matter. Yeah, totally. Yes. And again, as a dietitian working with people, I hear that a lot. Like you said, you're just picking this random number. And a lot of people I speak with are are choosing like their college weight or, you know, a weight that they were at a certain period in their life. And I'm like, okay, I respect that goal, but Mm -hmm. let's really like think big picture here and think about, especially, you know, maybe women who have had multiple children. It's like, you know, let's, let's meet you where you are right now and where your body is now and the experiences that you've had now since college or whenever it was and know that it's okay for your body to change. Bodies change, you know, they change over time. It's just a part of normal life and it's okay. And it is hard to accept. I'm not like trying to dismiss that. Um, but it's, it's also, it's okay for our bodies to change. And so kind of, like you said, kind of getting back to that place of acceptance is key. And in something you mentioned earlier that I kind of wanted to speak to as well is, you know, body image. I think, again, I think people assume that positive body image, 
equals your body looking a certain way and you feeling really good about it. (laughs) But on the flip side, you know, (laughs) positive body image comes from getting to a place of respecting and caring for your body and loving your body regardless of what it looks like. So, you know, do you have any thoughts to share on body image specifically and kind of your journey with, with that? I think, I mean, I think you're, you're a hundred percent right with that. And I think that my own body image, I look back on these pictures of myself at the time. And I was, I remember taking pictures with friends and seeing the pictures on Facebook or whatever it was and crying and thinking, oh my gosh, I look so horrible. And you know, it's kind of always that, it's that quote where I wish I was as big as the first time I thought I was big, you know, right. it's kind yeah. of like that. Yeah. And so I think it's kind of like, I have to remind myself in the moment, how do I look in the moment or how do I feel in the moment? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily how I look in the moment because the body image part of it doesn't matter if that makes sense. Yeah. The body image part of it is always going to be skewed no matter what size you're in. Yeah. People are going to deal with that. People are going to compare themselves. It's kind of just something we all do. I think it's more of accepting yourself in the space that you're in, Mm -hmm. accepting yourself and knowing that this is the body I've been given. This is the body I'm dealing with right now. Yeah. And how am I going to take this space that I'm in? I'm going to work with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to change it, but how are you going to roll with that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love all of that. Okay, quick break to talk about the prenatals that I've been taking and loving for years. Full Well Fertility, formerly known as Full Circle Prenatal. These are formulated by a fellow registered dietitian who is passionate about women's health and wanted to create a supplement that was evidence-based, effective, and high quality. They didn't cut any corners with these prenatals. They use third-party independent testing for harmful contaminants such as heavy metals on every single batch produced. And these supplements provide optimal doses and bioavailable forms of nutrients to support women before, during, and after pregnancy. I can honestly say I've never felt nauseous from taking these, and I feel really good about all the research that Ayla has done to create such an incredible product. If you're in the market for prenatals, you can use my affiliate code wellnessforthewin to get 10% off your purchase. Okay, back to the show. I got some questions from followers on this topic and kind of, you know, just interest in your story because so many people can relate to the journey that you've been through. And some people were asking, how do you continue to cope with feelings of guilt when you allow yourself to have less healthy foods? Because, you know, again, when we, when we aren't on a diet and we do allow ourselves to have a balance with eating and eating a variety of foods, that's going to occasionally incorporate less healthy options, which is perfectly fine and normal. And so, you know, for example, someone said they have this issue where if something sounds good, they instantly want it and they usually give in and then they have it and they're satisfied. But after a while, that guilt creeps in and they feel really badly about themselves and feel like they could have or should have made a better choice. And so, you know, what was your experience with that? Did you ever experience that as well when you stopped dieting and, you know, where you are now kind of eating all different types of foods? How did you move past those feelings of guilt? Well, I think that's what diet culture does to us. I think that diet culture instills this guilt in us. Like Mm -hmm. there is no reason that you should have any sort of guilt when you eat something. And I like that you use the term less healthy food 
Yeah. Because for me, when in th- when I was in therapy, I learned that there is good foods and bad foods don't exist. Right. There are foods that are nutrient dense. There are foods that give us the nu- the nutrients that we need, and there are foods that give us less of that. Yeah. Um, but we have five senses. We have the sense of smell. We can sense the way something feels and makes us feel, you know, and so food can be more than just what it does to our body. It can right. be an experience. Yes. And so I think it's kind of analyzing where does your guilt come from? Yeah. Is it, is somebody making me feel bad about this? Mm-hmm. Is it because, you know, society says I'm not supposed to go to McDonald's and eat McDonald's for some right. reason, you know, mm-hmm. is it, the media that's portraying this, or am I feeling over full? You know, did I eat too much and reevaluate that? Right. Yeah. And so I think it comes down to the fact that guilt is something that we kind of make up on our own. And you can really talk to yourself about, hey, what am I gaining from this experience? You know, mm-hmm. I got to eat something that I was craving. I got to eat something that I enjoyed or going out to a restaurant I liked going to. And I think that that's where you really have to kind of stop and and realize that okay, it was one meal. The next meal doesn't have to be like this. You know, tomorrow I can wake up and I can eat something. If I was missing nutrients from that meal, tomorrow I'll wake up and I'll make a smoothie and I'll put extra in it. Right. Yeah. Right. But you also, on that same note, you don't have to overcompensate for it either. You know, Mm -hmm. I feel like it took a really long time for me to get rid of that idea. Yeah. But I didn't have to attach feelings to every meal. Mm -hmm. A meal could just be a meal, you know, yeah. I could, you know, if if you're really focused on it and if you want to make substitutions for something that's similar, there's nothing wrong with that either. I always had this issue where if I wanted to go get something to eat, let's say I wanted to go somewhere fast food and I wanted cheeseburger and chicken, I would always go and I would get both. And then I would overstuff my, stuff myself with both of those things. Mm-hmm. And when I worked with a dietitian, my dietitian said, okay, we'll choose one, eat it. And then if you still want the other one, go tomorrow and get it. There's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. You know, Mm -hmm. it was the problem was that I was overeating it. Yeah. Um, The problem was that I I couldn't decide. And that's where I got the the feeling of guilt. There's nothing wrong with eating it to begin with. Mm -hmm. I think we just all need to realize that if we're continually feeling guilty about what we eat and going out and not enjoying ourselves, we're taking away so much more than we really think. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember in college when I was really in these diets, I remember my dad called me one night and he was like, what are you doing at, in your dorm? I said, I'm just hanging out. I'm just, you know, watching Netflix. I think Netflix came out that year. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> he was like, oh my gosh. He said, why aren't you out with friends? You're a freshman in college. I said, well, they all went out to eat and I didn't want to go out to eat with them. He was like, well, why the hell not? Mm-hmm. And I said, because I, I'm on a diet right now. And mm-hmm. that was the first real conversation I had with my dad about that. And he was like, these are experiences you got to, you got to have kid, you got to go out there and you've got to, you know, enjoy your life and tomorrow you can worry about it. But right now, if you're restricting yourself from that thing, you're restricting yourself from the experience too. Yeah. That gave me chills. It's so true because so many people are missing out on life because they're so, so consumed with thoughts of their body and food. And it's so hard. And again, I know this is hard. You know, this is hard. It's not an easy thing 
but it is so possible to get to a place of having a balance. And like you said, it's one meal. It's, it's one weekend. It's one week, whatever it might be. You know, if you're on vacation or if it's the holidays, for example, like right now, which this will go live after the holidays, but still, you know, there's just so much stress and anxiety that people have around food. And it just steals the joy of having the experiences with food. Like you said, food is food is an experience. It's meant to be enjoyed. It should be something that brings us pleasure and joy. And, and like you said too, it can, yes, it can nourish our bodies or it can nourish our souls, you know, and, and yeah. allow us to connect with other people. There's so many, so many different things that food can and does do for us but we just get so fixated on it sometimes. And I loved your example of, and what your dietitian said, you know, okay, give yourself the chicken one day. And if you want the, the burger the next day, go get it. And that's, that's what happens when we give ourselves unconditional permission to eat a wide variety of foods. We know that we don't have to capitalize on every single opportunity to, to eat a certain thing because we know it'll be there tomorrow if you really want it. And so, you know, that's kind of like working through that last supper phenomenon mentality where we don't have to eat everything that we possibly can at, at one point because the next day it's going to be off limits. And so, you know, working through that is, is again, it's hard, but it's very possible and very freeing to get to that place. It's like that all wait till Monday mindset. Exactly. You know, that's how I think people get into that where they will you know, lose track of their diet and they'll say, okay, I am going to wait till Monday and Monday is when I'm going to start. And so it's like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're just eating like crap all weekend long and you're overindulging. And then Monday, yeah, you're going to go on a diet because you feel like crap because of all the things you ate. Right. If you realize that, Hey, every day is a new day. You know, we got this. I mean, holidays, I'm a sides girl. When I go to the holidays, (laughs) I want my entire plate filled with several different sides, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And so that was something I posted right before on my Instagram. I was like, you know, please don't mention that to somebody. Don't mention, you know, how much they have on their plate if they're going back for seconds, you know? Right. You never know what somebody's dealing with. But at the same time, why does it matter? It's a holiday. Exactly. It's a special day. And for me, I eat leftovers for the next several days afterwards. Yeah. You know, and And I'm not looking back. Yeah. And I'm not looking back and thinking, did I eat too much. I'm like, no, did I enjoy myself on that holiday? That's what I'm thinking about. Exactly. Yes. Amen to that. I love that. So, you know, you came from a place of struggling with binge eating disorder, correct? Was kind of your, your diagnosis. You know, a couple of people asked, you know, how do you overcome a binge and what does that look like? You know, are there any specific things that you have found that mentally help you kind of get back to a better place where you're not spiraling or, you know, how does that process look for you? Okay. Yeah. I, so food for me always was pretty medicinal. It was something I used when I was, I had deal with depression, anxiety. And when I would be in a depressive state, I would use food to fuel that, Mm -hmm. you know, and food, I felt like when I first started driving was a big thing. Because I was able to go in my car, go through a drive-through, sit in a park somewhere, mm-hmm. and just eat as much as I possibly wanted. It was mm-hmm. the only thing I had control over. And I could go home and I could pretend that never happened. Nobody yeah. knew. It was kind of like my own little secret with myself. Yeah. And, you know, I battled the scale for years and years. I like you. I know you talked about being a cheerleader. I was a dancer. Mm-hmm. And so... I was always comparing myself to the other girls. Yeah. I was always exercising and doing things with dance. And then when season stopped and when I graduated high school, I 
wasn't getting that, you know, anymore. And so I felt like I needed to overcome this overeating I'd been doing. So then that's when I started going on diets. Mm -hmm. And I was doing this to the extreme because I was basically punishing myself for the spaces I'd been in. Mm -hmm. And so I was going on diets, but then I was taking it to the more extreme. So I was probably in some, some days, some weeks eating five to 700 calories a day. That's it, Mm. you know, or a thousand calories a day. And I was killing myself at the gym and I was coming home feeling so empty by the end of the day, I had nothing to give to anyone. And then on the weekend I would sneak away by myself and I would eat anything and everything in sight, or I would go out to the bars with my friends in college or you know, I would, that would be my weekend. I'd say, okay, I'm waiting for the weekend to eat pizza or tacos or whatever it was. But then I was trying to make up for the calories I was lacking all week. I would just eat as much as I possibly could. Yeah. And I never knew that this was an eating disorder until much later because people don't look at somebody in a big body and think that you have an eating disorder. You say that and people are like, you really You know, I always kind of felt like I had to justify it. Always felt like I had to like say, oh, well, I was a dancer in high school. You know, I was used to be much smaller. You know, I used to have to talk to people about that because you'd say you were a binge eater, you had an eating disorder. And people would say, no, people with eating disorders are anorexic. They're small. They're tiny. Right. And so for me, it was giving myself permission, first of all, to eat things throughout the week that Mm -hmm. I wanted. You yep. know, sometimes like our last conversation, it is giving into the temptations. Yep. It is saying, hey, I want this. And it's not, hey, I'm going to wait till Saturday for it because it's the weekend. So right. I'm going to eat this right now because if I don't, I can be able to think about it nonstop until the weekend. Yep. Exactly. And it's, it's this intuitive eating. That's the process I've been working through is if I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. If I'm full, I'm going to stop. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to give my body the things that it needs but it's, I'm also going to give my the food that I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that mind shift, that mental state that you have to get to, you have to literally talk to yourself and you have to coach yourself into the process of like, mm-hmm. or th- just because this is an unhealthy food mm-hmm. doesn't mean this is a bad moment. Yeah. I almost overcorrected for a while and I was scared of healthy foods. Mm-hmm. When I like started getting out of the binge eating space and into intuitive eating, I was giving my, myself permission to eat everything. Yeah. And that was kind of an interesting to go through. I gained weight during that, mm-hmm. but that was healthy for me to finally give myself permission throughout the week. Yeah. Um, and then I was ultimately able to find some balance with that. Yeah. And just really coaching myself, talking through the process. I would literally be like, okay, what do I want right now? How am I going to get it? <laughs> yeah. And what's it going to do for me? And I did a lot of journaling. Mm-hmm. Um, I did by the intuitive eating workbook. I worked through that. I talked with my therapist a lot. This isn't mm-hmm. something that's easy to go through alone either. Right. Totally. Yeah. And that's what holds so many people back from trying intuitive eating is that fear that, okay, when I give myself permission to eat all foods... I'm just going to eat pizza and ice cream for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you may go through that period of time. And they talk about that in the intuitive eating book. You most likely will go through a period of time where you are eating all the things that you've been restricting for so long, but that won't be forever. You know, like think about if we were stranded on an island and we could eat nothing but pizza 
for a year, (laughs) you would probably crave something else eventually, right? You know, our bodies crave different things. And so eventually you will want a variety of foods and that can include healthy foods, especially if you figure out, you know, or nutritious foods, you know, more nutrient dense options. If you figure out how to prepare more nutritious foods in ways that you genuinely enjoy and that are satisfying to you, you will begin to crave those things as well in your rotation with a variety of other things. And so again, you know, I appreciate you sharing that. Yes, you did go through that period of time, but it wasn't forever. And, you know, it was kind of a necessary part of your journey to getting to a healthier place with food and to acknowledging this isn't something that you should be doing alone, you know, working through it with someone else, whether that's a dietitian and or a therapist or, you know, journaling on your own throughout the process and having a supportive partner. It takes a village, truly. It really does. does. It's And it's so many years of unlearning, especially again, when we're like still going to be constantly inundated with like this messaging from our society and our culture that unfortunately we can't escape. You know, that's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's never going to go away, I'm pretty sure. But, you know, we're, we become more resilient in our ability to like brush off those messages and know that, you know, like that's diet culture BS. I don't have to listen to that. And I'm going to keep doing what feels good to me. If you are looking for cute, affordable, and functional bags for all the things, you have to check out Bore. They have everything from duffel bags for travel, gym bags, backpacks, tote bags, accessories like crossbody bags, and more. They also have an active fanny pack that I actually use every day on my walks. It's the perfect size to fit your phone in so you don't have to carry it while you walk or bike or whatever activity you love to do. Their Alana duffel is my favorite as well. It has an exterior pocket that converts to a luggage sleeve, so it slides right over the handle of your rolling suitcase, making it perfect for airport travel. It also has a padded laptop sleeve inside, along with several other zipper pockets and compartments. They also have an Alana mini duffel that is smaller but equally functional and would make a great work bag for nurses, teachers, or mamas who need to pack their pump parts for work. They have tons of products to choose from, and all of them are so cute and, like I said, very affordable. Just head to their website at vore.com to check it all out and use my affiliate code wellnessforthewind to save. I'll leave my affiliate code and link for you in the show notes. Okay, back to the episode. So what did that look like for you with starting with therapy and like working on, you know, loving your body where the way that it is now and kind of working on your mental space with your diet and body image and everything? Was it hard for you to be like, you know what, I need help. I need to see someone. Or was it just like a a no brainer for you to kind of get that support? I think that for me, I've gone in and out of therapy for 15 years now. And I think that it's one of those things that people automatically expect when you go to therapy that something's wrong with you. Or is uh-huh. that, for me, I look as going to therapy is going to the doctor. It's like maintenance right. for me, you know? Yeah. And when I started going for this specific reason, I didn't realize I was going because of my body. Mm-hmm. I started going because I was struggling with my depression and I started talking about it. And the conversation led to, I kept saying things over and over, like being so hard on myself and yeah. You know, my therapist had to stop me mid sentence and be like, why are you talking about yourself like that? Mm-hmm. You know, and it took very simple activities that we had to do together. Like for instance, for the longest time, I would not look in a full size mirror. If I were mm-hmm. to see a full size mirror, I would completely avoid it. I had my mirrors in my house. I took pictures a certain way. You know, there were small processes that I had to go through. You know, she'd say, set up your camera. 
you back it up all the way back to the mm-hmm. bathroom, take a picture of yourself, you yeah. know, and start doing things like that. So it turned into something completely different that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. And therapy also has been something where it has given me an outlet that food was before. Mm-hmm. Food was an outlet where I felt like I could go out of control and I could keep a secret. But now I have a different outlet to help with the things that I was struggling with and yeah. didn't need to use food for. Mm-hmm. And finding a my therapist is a body positive. She works with intuitive eating. She does all that stuff. And so working with somebody like that yeah. is important, especially if you get into therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, having somebody that can stop you when you start talking nonsense about wanting to lose weight and mm-hmm. you know not being good enough and all of that. Mm-hmm. She would sit there and she'd say, nope, we're going to back it up. We're going to yeah. rephrase that thought here for a second. Yeah. And I think I always thought I had to jump from hating myself to loving myself. You know, I thought I had to be in that space and she helped me come to that body neutrality term of it doesn't, you have to accept yourself before you can ever love yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that, it's that principle that people say when you're dating is that how can you ever love somebody if you don't love yourself first? Right. And for me, it got to the point where I knew that I was in a yo-yo phase with my weight that I had to get to the point of loving myself at the point that I'm at now at my heaviest, because if I were to ever lose weight again and then gain it back, I'm going to hate myself for that. If I don't love myself right right now, right? Because if I only like myself when I'm smaller, I'm never going to get anywhere with that. Right. And so I had to come to terms in therapy with talking about the things that I love, talking about what kind of person I am, what kind of character I have, because when you're somebody who's con- constantly scrutinized by your body, you mm-hmm. forget all your other good features. You forget that you're an amazing person. You just happen to be in a bigger body. Yeah. Yeah. I love the quote that, you know, your body is the least interesting thing about you. And, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, our, all of our talents and our skills and our attributes, you know, the other things that are amazing about us that people, you know, if if someone that loves you was talking to someone else about you, they wouldn't mention your body. They would say, oh, she's so smart. She's so funny. She's so this, she's so that, you know, that's not what people are going to remember or say at our funerals, right? They are going to acknowledge all the other incredible things about us. And, and I love that you mentioned too, finding a therapist who is in that space and can really support you through that journey. Cause I think that's very important. And, um, you know, hopefully a lot of therapists would would do that, but I'm sure it's very helpful to have someone specifically in that space who who knows how to yep. kind of navigate that journey with you. And also kind of getting to that place of body acceptance and neutrality, we're still going to have bad body image days. You know, we're yeah. human. We're going to have those experiences. But in my experience anyway, on days that I feel not so great about my body, it usually has nothing to do with my body. <laughs> you know, right. it, it has yep. something to do with a million other things going on in life that are like manifesting in body image issues. So like for you now in this space that you're in, how do you kind of find that you're coping with bad body image days? You know, obviously you've worked with your therapist through things, but if you're on your own, you know, are there any other activities or things that you try to do to care for your body in your mind on a day that you're struggling with it? Yeah. I mean, I am a feelings girl. I feel every feeling. I'm emotional. And (laughs) so (laughs) on those those body days, I am a mess. And 
I think that it always kind of triggers from something, you know, mm-hmm. I, as I mentioned earlier, there's this world's not made for fat people. And so if I go somewhere and I'm uncomfortable in that space because of my body, I have to realize that I'm more mad at the world than I am at myself. Yeah. I'm mad at this situation and I'm upset that I wasn't able to, you know, sit there because we're just not in that space as a society yet, mm-hmm. you know, and I have to do something that makes me feel confident. So a lot of times it will literally be putting on an outfit I feel good in. Mm-hmm. It'll be going out to dinner with my husband. And even I have found exercise as being an outlet and that's taking my dog on a walk or going to the gym. Mm-hmm. And I actually genuinely love to lift weights. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't something I gave myself permission for a while to do mm-hmm. um, because I got into the space of being anti-losing weight yeah. with the anti-dieting. Mm-hmm. And nobody phrased to me the fact that working out makes you feel good. It's not mm-hmm. just for losing weight, right? Yeah. And so when it was go to the gym and kill yourself every day while you're there and do the most and be so sore and exhausted afterwards, it's not like that. Right. I remember the first time I went out on this long walk with my dog and I came back and I told my husband, I was like, crap, that felt really good. Like (laughs) now come to terms with the fact that I have to go and do all these walks because it makes me feel good. And I hated that because I (laughs) felt like I'd been proved wrong. Um, But there's, there's a combination of things on those bad days. It's doing something that makes you feel good, moving your body, giving yourself permission to feel those feelings because they exist. You know, Mm -hmm. if we decide to just shut them down and be mad at ourselves, it's pointless. Yeah. But I also have to kind of get those feelings out. So mm-hmm. my outlet is always journaling. I always write it down. Why am I feeling this way? Mm-hmm. But then also realizing that your bad day is just a day. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. always that tomorrow's a new day thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, somebody gave me the reference one day of you have a bunch of grains of rice on your desk and right in front of you. And you know, five of those grains are seconds of moments that are bad in your day or make you feel bad. You still have a pile of rice still in front of you, those seconds Mm -hmm. that are left in those days. So it doesn't even necessarily have to be a good day versus a bad day. It could be a bad moment. Right. Pick myself up, work through this Mm -hmm. and then get on with it. Absolutely. That's so good. And I'm totally guilty sometimes of like letting one bad moment really like suck me into a black hole and like getting stuck in that for hours or the whole freaking day. And that's something that I have to actively work on is yeah, recognizing this is a bad moment. Yeah, I can go outside. I can get some fresh air. I can get some movement. I can do some journaling or listening, listen to some music that makes me feel good. You know, there's so many things we can do to care for ourselves in that moment, physically and mentally and emotionally. And I appreciate you walking us through some of those because those are all good. And like you said, I think a lot of people in this space do feel that resistance between, like you mentioned earlier, you know, like like salads, for example, is just the first thing that comes to mind is like a diet culture thing. But it's like, it's okay to want to eat those nutritious foods. It's okay to want to move our bodies. But really thinking about the intention, the why behind those choices and yes, exactly. saying, okay, okay, yes, this is actually something that I enjoy. It makes me feel good. And it it's good for my body and my mind. And it's not something that I'm doing specifically and solely for weight loss. So right. kind of having that, you know, mindset shift is key um, and can help you kind of like have a balance in those behaviors. But it is hard, again, to kind of like 
have yeah. that balance with foods. And and like you mentioned this earlier, and I kind of wanted to call that out where you were like, you know, sometimes you can make a, a substitution. Like, for example, if a recipe is like spaghetti squash or something, for example, versus like regular spaghetti, that's okay. That's like it's not yeah. like a diet, quote unquote, diet choice. It's okay to enjoy delicious. It is exactly (laughs) like, you know, cauliflower pizza. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. we do like, like chickpea pasta and stuff like that. It's okay to make those substitutions. And it's also okay to have the real thing. Sometimes having a balance is the ultimate goal of long-term health and, and it doesn't have to be all or nothing black or white one way or the other. So yeah, I just wanted to to kind of point that out. Cause I think that's something that a lot of people wrestle with when they're kind of working through all of this. Yeah. I wanted to have you kind of talk a little bit more about buying clothes that you feel confident in because so many people, especially women, I think struggle with purchasing new clothes because they yeah. are looking at their, their closet and they're like, nope, I'm going to make myself shrink to fit in all these clothes. I refuse to buy new clothes. I hear that so often. So what would you say to those people who are resistant to buying new clothes and what does it do for you to purchase clothes that you feel confident in, in your current body? Don't get me wrong. I have a couple pairs of jeans in my closet where I'm like, one of these days I'm going to get my body, a body into <laughs> And that's but okay. That's, you know, it's okay to have that. But that's probably yeah. not going to happen. It's kind of always <laughs> just like, I need to get rid of those jeans. Yeah. Um, I think for me, this journey of clothing has been more recent for me. Okay. I remember texting my sisters and my mom, this is a couple months ago. And I literally just said, I hate everything in my closet. Because I think for a while I was trying to figure out how to live in a larger body. Yeah. And I, my first initial, initial reaction was to hide it, mm-hmm. was to buy the baggiest thing I could buy, was to wear something that hide every inch or every curve. I still have good parts of my body and I was hiding those, you know? Yeah. And it came down to, okay, well, even if I wear that and my belly shows, people still know I have a belly, you know, whether mm-hmm. I hide it, or whether I don't, people are still going to know I'm a larger person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of my favorite things to wear lately is bodysuits. I love, love wearing bodysuits. Yeah. Like high-waisted jeans or yeah. skirts or something. And I remember the first time I did that not too long ago over the summer and my husband and I, we went bar hopping down in Kansas city and I was wearing a tennis skirt with a bodysuit I was walking down the street and I was like, I look good. You know, I was kind of (laughs) like, you know, I felt good. And it was finally this, giving myself this permission to wear something I enjoyed wearing Mm -hmm. that looked good. It may have showed more than people wanted to see. I don't really care. You know, at this point, at this point, I just want to dress in something that makes me feel good and that works with my body. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm never going to be somebody that wears a crop top. I'm never going to be somebody that's showing a whole bunch of skin, mm-hmm. but I'm also really getting rid of the wearing a cardigan with everything and covering up and wearing those loose clothes. I think it just comes down to caring less about what other people think. Mm-hmm. Um, or you may get a couple extra looks from somebody and really focus in on how you feel in it. Yeah. I went to Lizzo, the concert her concert in Kansas city um, yeah. about a month ago, two ago. And I wore literally a sheer top with a bra underneath it. And I was Love walking that. in downtown <laughs> Kansas city. And I was like, at first I felt so uncomfortable. Yeah. And then I had these little girls come up to me. They were teenagers, probably, well, probably 10, 11, 12. 
oh my gosh, you're so cute. I love your outfit. Oh, <laughs> that's so great. And for me, it was like, that was more empowering. Yeah. Was showing that I decided to wear it and I was mm-hmm. going to flaunt it no matter what. Yeah. That's amazing. And, you know, and showing that to other women or other people who are maybe in larger bodies as well and giving that them that permission as well, you know, seeing other yeah. people doing it can be really empowering and helpful, I think, to kind of give people that confidence to do it themselves, you know, so I think that's, that's awesome. And, and like you said, even if, if it's been sort of a recent journey with the clothing, I think that can just make a huge world of difference in how you feel about yourself. And, you know, and it's okay to like want to feel good externally as well. You know, obviously yeah. the the internal part is really important. The mental part is important, but it's okay to want to feel confident in your appearance also. Um, so figuring out, you know, how to do that in your right here, right now body is so important versus hiding until we get to X number on the scale. Oh, and, yeah. you know, that we just can't live that way. I love that. So now that you aren't focused on the scale, have you found it easier to engage in habits that are good for your health and that help you feel good more consistently? Like you said, shoot, I now I have to walk my dog all the time because <laughs> it makes you feel good. You know, has it been easier to be consistent with other healthy behaviors such as, you know, going on walks and um, any other other things as far as like diet or exercise or, you know, other behaviors? Yeah, I think that once my weight stopped becoming the main focus, I didn't have to think so hard about it. Mm-hmm. And I thought for a while there when I started this journey, I it was gonna I was like, I'm never gonna get to that point. And then, you know, I remember going to therapy one day and I was telling her, she was like, so walk me through your day, walk me through what you did today, what you ate today. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. She's like, Danny, you're doing it. You're doing yeah. it. And you don't <laughs> even realize it. Just you wake up one day and it happens. You know, I was getting up when the weather was nice, I was getting up every day and I was going on a walk before work because the one thing that's really helped me in this moment is before I sit down at my computer, which is literally 10 steps from my bedroom, Mm -hmm. like what am I going to do for myself before I give myself to people at work? And that involved me getting exercise, which got my endorphins going. It Mm -hmm. got me feeling better. It made me actually more focused throughout the day. Yeah. It's also given me the ability to kind of explore with my cooking and the things that I want to make, the things that I want to eat. I kind of had to come to the terms that I hate vegetables to an extent, um, (laughs) or I at least wasn't getting enough of them. So I started putting greens powder in my stuff and I started supplementing things because I knew that those times that I'm giving myself that nutrient dense, you know, all those things, I'm, I'm really getting to this point where I'm feeling better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's the misconception is that people think that because you're in a bigger body, you're not healthy and you're mm-hmm. not doing those things. Yeah. Or people automatically assume that you need to go on a diet because you're big mm-hmm. and they don't realize that I am going out and working out and eating healthy and things. I'm just also having moments where I'm going out to get whatever I want to eat as well. Right. It's a balance. That's really what's come down to. Exactly. Totally. And again, you know, someone's weight tells us nothing about their behaviors. And I've spoken to people who are in larger bodies who have extremely healthy lifestyles. And I've talked to very thin people who do very little to care for their bodies. So it's yeah. like it it can go totally both ways and it it has nothing to do with your, your body size. So yeah, I love that that you've been able to 
incorporate some things that just simply make you feel good for the the matter of feeling good versus focusing solely yeah. on the scale. And like you mentioned before, you know, since our society isn't super inclusive of all bodies, you know, what clothing stores are there any particular brands or stores that you particularly love for clothes that fit you that you feel like have more inclusive sizing um and all that kind of stuff so i don't know if you remember this within this last year old navy has done this inclusive yeah. sizing yeah so there's been ups and downs because i know they've taken some of the sizing out of stores but okay. some of the stores in olathe still have them in overland park which is great good but I love walking into Old Navy and my size being on the same rack as every other size. Yes. And I'm also not the biggest size in the store. And so if something's too small, I can go to the next size. And I think it's great that spaces like that have those because I'm really tired of going into a store and automatically having to go to the plus size section in the back corner. Yeah. And so I yeah. really hope that we get better at that. Mm-hmm. And I think Old Navy's kind of the first start. Mm-hmm. Target's gotten a little bit more. Walmart's actually gotten a little bit more. But then I go to like ASOS has a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But then there's some plus size places that I'll go plus size boutiques, um, Torrid mm-hmm. and Chic Soul and some of those. I will tell you, Amazon, I bought a dress from there not too long ago. They've been really hard to find plus size clothes in. Mm. Local places, boutiques, I can hardly ever find clothes. Yeah. Um, I went to a local place not too long ago that had so many boutiques in there and not there was not a single item of clothing that would have fit me. And mm. that's so frustrating. So finding yeah. those places is always good. I just wish that while I'm finding this confidence and while I'm really dressing to way, the way I want, I wish there was more option out there. And I think totally. that's where people struggle and people just give up and they think, okay, well, this is all the option I'm given. This is what I'm going to wear. Yeah. Totally. And and I feel like just in the last couple of years, at least for me, to be honest, it has occurred to me like, why the hell would they make a separate plus size section? Like just put it with everything else. It's like I don't want to wear something different either. I want the same pattern right. that somebody's in a small size is wearing. Exactly. It makes no sense. Why would it be a separate section? And that's just like immediately just making people feel singled out and like outcasts. Yeah. And it just makes no sense. Like why would an extra small be in the same section, but an extra, extra large or whatever it is wouldn't be. And so that's, that is crazy to me. And I'm so glad that certain brands are kind of paving the way for that. And like you said, hopefully others will continue to follow and there will be more options in the future, hopefully in the near future. But, you know, unfortunately, things like this usually take time. But, you know, progress is better than nothing, I guess. Yes. But yeah. still, still very frustrating. But go Old Navy. I've been loving Old <laughs> Navy Old lately. Navy. So me too. that makes me happy. <laughs> awesome. Gosh, this has been amazing. And I know so many people are going to resonate with literally everything that you've said. Is there anything that we missed that you wanted to be sure to mention or any final thoughts that you want to share? You know, I did want to mention a little bit more about um, the word fat. And I wanted to mention a little bit more about, you know, some of the things that I've noticed a little bit lately. And I just want to encourage people to really stop and think about some of the things that they say, especially when you're around somebody in a larger body, because I think that there were things that even before I was in this space that I would say or do. Mm-hmm. And now I look back and think, oh, I wish I wouldn't have approached it that way. Yeah. One of the things that I notice a lot is people saying things like, I'm feeling fat. 
mm-hmm. or, oh my gosh, do these clothes make me look fat? Mm-hmm. Um, those kinds of things are actually very hurtful. First of all, fat isn't a feeling word. Fat mm-hmm. is a noun and you can have fat on your body. You can be fat just like you can be skinny. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't also mean that we should go out and just name call and call people fat because they're fat. Right. But it also means thinking about that before you really say something, especially mm-hmm. when you're going up to somebody. And I've had a lot of people that think that because I am big, that they can come up and talk to me about it. Like, yeah, they want to come up to me and talk to me immediately about the diet that they're on mm. or, oh, can you relate to what it's like to feel fat in this or something just because I'm in this space? Yeah. So I would just encourage people to think about that. Even you know, people who are successful in weight loss or diets and posting a before and after picture is also hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I see somebody post a before and after picture and they just crap on themselves of what they look like in that before picture, mm-hmm. you're making people not want to look like me. And yeah. that's the that's the thing that hurts the most is mm-hmm. knowing that people are scared to look like me. Yeah. Or, you know, and so I think that it's just discussing the diets, the before, the after pictures, and really thinking about what you say to somebody. Mm-hmm. I really hope that I can get the word out there and really help people see because there's nothing wrong with being in a big body. There's nothing wrong with being fat. You know, right. I'm really working on just showing people that just because I am doesn't mean I'm unhealthy, doesn't mean I'm lazy doesn't mean I'm less than, you know, I've even been left out of pictures with friends. I've been actually lost friends from gaining weight. And I just want people to realize I'm still the same person. People still have good intentions and good hearts. And we, you know, we just want the same as everybody else. So I think that it's just really taking the extra time. And even one thing that I would encourage other people to do is to go out there and even on social media, follow people that don't look like you. This is gender, skin color, and body size. Mm -hmm. Go out there and follow those people. I have learned so much and I've gained confidence just by watching these plus size and fat social media stars that are out there. They have helped me see the world in a different light. So Mm -hmm. I hope that people start to recognize the phobias that we have. Even I have them. Mm -hmm. And eventually we... We'll all just come together. Diet culture is never going away. It's mm-hmm. a moneymaker. Yeah. But hopefully we'll get to a, a point where we even out a little bit more with body image and body neutrality. Yeah. Gosh. Amen to all of that. So many good points. I'm so glad you touched on some of those things because like you said, and and I, I'll admit I'm not perfect either. You know, I still yeah, probably say things that are wrong. You know, I'm I'm learning all the time, just like we all are. But totally agree about before and after pictures and how harmful they are. And again, it's just so normalized in our society and so glorified to to show that transformation. And again, it just perpetuates that fear of, oh my God, what's going to happen if I gain weight again? You know, And yeah. it's just, again, going back to that vicious cycle. So moving away from that focus on body size, but instead, how do you feel? How are you caring for yourself physically and mentally every day, long-term? And, you know, those are all really, really important reminders. Gosh, so good. So good. Um, So lastly, if people want to connect with you or find you, where can they do that? Um, If they wanted to to reach out or if anything today resonated with them, which again, I'm sure so many things will and people will want to 
DM you and and say thank you for everything that you shared today, but where could they um, connect with you after this? Yeah, absolutely. So DM me on Instagram. I don't add everybody right away just because I'm a little <laughs> bit more private, but yeah. if they send me a message, I would be happy to chat with anybody. Um, Danny.Riley is on Instagram and then DannyRiley at gmail.com if you want to send me an email. I love keeping this conversation going. Um, yeah. It's the main reason why I reached out to you. I hope that yeah. people do. I'm not perfect either. I'm still mm-hmm. working on this. I'm still very much in my journey, and but I, I love to encourage others to do the same. So. Awesome. I love it. And yes, thank you for making yourself available for people to reach out. And I will link um, or share all your information in the show notes for people. So it's easy for them to to find you and reach out if they want to. And I just want to thank you again so, so much for your time and sharing and your vulnerability with all of this and just kind of shedding light on some really important topics. And I think a lot of this will just make people think so much differently, hopefully. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it'll be really powerful for people no matter where they are in their journey. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode and took away some tips or wisdom that you can apply to boost your health and happiness starting today. If you did, I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review to help other women like you find my show and get inspired to start living a life they love. Also, take a quick screenshot and share it to your Instagram stories. Be sure to tag me at wellness for the win so I can see why you love today's show. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.